Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I am the host of the show. I'm a comedian in Chicago. And this episode is actually an episode of This Is Your After Show. We are, and by we, I mean me and co-host, comedian, friend, previous guest, Claire Favret. She and I are talking about Chris Gethard's episode of This Is Your Afterlife on this here after show. The after show is something that is available to anyone who subscribes to the Patreon. So if you want to be an afterhead for five bucks, you will get all the full unedited conversations with my guests, plus these after shows that we do sometimes. And if you want to be a pigeon level patron, for 15 bucks, you can get shouted out on the episode like this. Fred Fidawa, Susie Carroll, Kurt Chang, Katie Llewellyn, John Lee, Shuba Singh, and Debo. All those people are pigeons. You can join them. And I'm grateful if you do. I also want to tell you that you can contribute to the show in a new way now, which is calling in and leaving a voicemail. I know from the last review from iTunes, not iTunes, it's Apple Podcasts now, whatever. The last review of the show that I read on air was from K Nativa, and they mentioned always thinking of their answers to the questions I usually ask on the podcast. So that made me think, hey, it would be cool if people could share those answers if they want. So if you want, you can do that now. Just call 313-MISSED U R A, the letters U R A. So it's 313 647 8872. Leave a voicemail and maybe I'll play it on the show. Tell your friends, remember you're a mist, and enjoy this episode of This Is Your After Show about Chris Gethard, in which uh, Claire and I have a long conversation about comedy and we uh, do. We, we prepare for an audition that I ended up booking. So more about that in, uh, in future episodes as well. Welcome to This Is Your After Show, the after show of This Is Your Afterlife, where I, Dave Marr, the host of This Is Your Afterlife, talk to my friends, Claire Favorite and Megan Strickland, who is not with us at this moment, Boo. Well, and is not coming into the ep- I, like, not like she's coming later. Will not be on this episode. It's me and Claire debriefing, recapping, <laughs> mostly going over Claire's notes. <laughs> and for this episode, it's for the uh, the Gethard episode. Yeah. So, what do you got, Claire? What are your What are your thoughts? Well, biggest, most important takeaway. I cried twice. You cried? I cried twice, David. Wow. Uh, I I think I wrote this down. I think this is a milestone. Uh, This is your after show milestone. I think I've certainly gotten emotional, but I don't think I've ever cried, not to mention twice. 
Sorry for yelling. Wow. And you don't think this is because you had your own kind of stuff going on? You think it was specifically because of the episode? Dave, I always have my own stuff going on. (laughs) I'm just saying how much, (laughs) what was the factor in the crime? (laughs) I mean, I, I really think him talking about his son and the way that his son has made his life like more interesting and more just noticing things in the truck and like thinking about how he won't, he he hopes to like observe his son, even if it's from the beyond. Mm -hmm. I was, I was, I was freaking losing it. I was like, this guy gets it because I, I feel that this way. I don't have a kid, but I feel like life is always better when I'm doing that kind of like, and you even touch on this in the episode, pedestrian stop and smell the roses, like so cliche, but it is like, it's cliche for a reason because it's true. Like I just love, 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 love the like noticing the really ordinary things and being like just so into them. And I I just thought it was so beautiful and, I loved it. I loved it. So it was, you cried twice within that one part or was no, that just one of the, that was just one of them. The other one was him talking uh, about witnessing his own TV show and like looking at the audience from backstage mm-hmm. and like just being mm-hmm. so proud of what he made and also like seeing like other people bring stuff to the table. And I, again, I was just like, wow, 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 wow. Because you can relate or because you are just touched by that selflessness or why? Mm. <laughs> okay. Freaking journalist. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's probably, it's probably like, yeah, touched by like that sentiment. Like it's like, oh my, just like, wow, 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 wow. You, you, you can, it's possible to make art and have this, I don't know. I think sometimes it's like so easy to be like, you know, they made a special and then they got corrupted and now they make millions of dollars and they make shitty shit. And like, it's just like, I don't know. It's just so lovely that he stopped and recognized it was, it was everything. It was like, I hope to one day have something like that or feel something like that. And just like, this is what, I think this is what everyone wants to do when they set out to create art. Maybe that's not true. Maybe some people want the money, but it's like, I think everyone wants to feel that connection. Yeah. I mean, everyone that we can relate to. Yeah. Yeah. It probably, does it make, does it remind you of times when you felt that? Was that part of it too? Kind of nostalgia for like, Oh man, like, yes. Just when like you're in the midst of it and everyone is like, I mean, for you, it could even be like, it doesn't have to be like you orchestrated it. It could be like a cigarette sandwich sketch and like Mm. Andy's being Andy and Case is being Case and Bill's being Bill. And you're just like, yeah, you know. That's tough. I don't know if, I don't know if anything came up for me. I I was thinking honestly of my partner, Chase, and I feel like that's something that's really important to him, to that community. Like Mm. those are his favorite moments in comedy is like 
the stuff that he's created that people have gotten into and like people get what he's going for. Yeah. I think sometimes this is maybe evil mode, but I think some of my favorite comedy moments are like just crushing and glory, which is like, I'm, I don't know if I, I don't know. Yeah. But I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking that's evil mode. I fuck with evil mode, dude. Yeah, maybe maybe evil mode is wrong, but just like really just feeling like you're in the flow of what, yeah, and it's like all going the way you want. And and I like it. Yeah, keep yeah. it as e- keep keep it as labeled evil evil mode. Evil mode. I'm down. Evil mode. I'm going evil mode right now. <laughs> you sit sitting backstage. I'm about to go evil evil mode. mode. <gasps> yeah, which leads perfectly into <laughs> takes goes from the end of the episode really to the beginning of the episode, which is your discussion of. Mm-hmm, good transition. Of his advice. Of his advice. Right. And of his advice of being a treating the audience like a boxer, like a sparring partner and show them, show them who's boss with the macho-ness of that. And yeah. Yeah. yeah what do you, what did you think of that? Well, I've been thinking a lot about, this concept maybe ever since i listened to, that makes sense yeah to eight february 8th so i've been thinking about it all month and ran wow this is real do you live in chicago type shit but ran into andy's brother pat bolduck honestly i've talked about this with both andy and pat but pat is a stand-up and mm-hmm. i've been calling it claire's in quotes daddy end quote Theory of comedy. Okay. Hit me with it. This is a little gendered. But it's when you as when you're in the audience, it's before you even are conscious of it, you are evaluating the performer in front of you. And you can smell some primal shit and you can sense some shit before you've even made a conscious evaluation. So it's like you can when someone's scared, when someone's insecure, when someone Mm -hmm. doesn't know if it's going to work, you can feel it even before your mind says it to you. Like, I'm worried about how this person is going to do. And you can feel that fear and that. And as an audience member, let's I feel like the majority of the audience does want that person to succeed. You're rooting mm-hmm. for them. Maybe a few yeah. people are like coming to watch them flop, but I think the majority of people want to see you crush. They want to have a good because time. Because it will have them, yeah, make them have a good time. But when you see someone come out and they have that insecure energy, you, mm-hmm. I, I, me, I, speaking for myself as an audience member, I lean forward you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous for them. I'm worrying about them. I'm not relaxing, but when someone comes out and forgive me for this, but they're like, daddy's driving the car. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Daddy's in charge. You can yeah. eat your snacks. You can watch iPad. You can do whatever you want. Cause daddy's driving. You don't got a backseat drive. You don't got to look at the road. Daddy's drive. Watch iPad. Yeah. Watch iPad. And truly, as an audience member, you can feel that. You're like, this person is a professional. And no matter Mm -hmm. what happens, they've got this. 
and I'm going to fucking lean. I'm going to enjoy myself. And those, those are my best sh- as now switching from being in the audience to being a performer. Those are my best shows when I'm like tonight, I'm daddy. I, right. Y'all don't got to worry about anything. Relax, please. You're yeah. going to have a great time. And, and, and when I'm not when, and it's so, and unfortunately it's like when you lose it, it's really hard to get it back. Like, but when they're worried about you, when they're like, who's this little teenager learning to drive the car? I'm I'm going to watch the road. I'm nervous. They're, they're not going to have as good of a time. It's all not the same. And so like, it's for me, it's like, yes, maybe it's not show them who's boss because some people's version of daddy is to be the insecure mumblecore comedian. Right, right, right. Some people's version of daddy is to absolutely strut on stage and I'm not scared of you, motherfuckers. So everyone's got their own. It's like when you're being true to yourself and you're confident. And sometimes the, the version of being true to yourself is actually acting like you're not confident. But it's like, I think the audiences, you can sense when it's, when they really got it and they really don't. Uh, but yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know if I, I know what Chris Gethard is saying about show them who's boss because it's club comedy energy. But I also think it's like it's deeper than show them who's boss. It's like show them who's got like the reins of the evening. And maybe your version of showing that you've got the reins is not being that club comic. But it's like being who exactly who you are and owning it. As opposed to being like, should I be more like blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the only thing that I would say to and I and I agree with most of what you're saying, and I think Daddy can be can transcend gender, for as sure. we see on Twitter every day. Oh, yeah. If Twitter has taught us anything, it's that Daddy can transcend gender. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that I would say to complicate what you're saying is that there were times in when in my first run at Edinburgh mm-hmm. where I'd done the coma show, you know, dozens of times at that point. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in the show. I'm confident in the material. It's me. It's authentic. It's funny. It's fun. But there are certain people who are triple fisting drinks from the tiki bar downstairs and they're, they're, coming to have a different kind of good time. Yeah. And it's not about confidence or professionalism. It's about taste. It's true. And I am not their taste. And I think that's where it gets tricky is I think the the if if it's a spectrum, all the way on one end of the spectrum is the purest, mm-hmm. you know, open mic stand up only traditionalist comedian who says well it's your job to make them laugh you got to win them over a real comedian can play any room can win over any room even though that is literally not true true like yeah. you know but someone all the way on the other side says well those people aren't for me yeah uh, that I'm not their cup of tea. And to be honest, 
They're not they're mine. Not really, who I need to be my audience. Yeah. So fuck them. Yes. And I'll and I just and I'll write them off entirely. I maybe don't go write them off entirely, but it is. It, it what's tough then is even if you write them off, mm-hmm. they're still there for the duration of the show. So yeah. they're still fucking up the energy, kind of. But I know what you're saying, and I do agree. It, it's just it's just that confidence and good material can't always carry Account- they don't if, they, if you're trying yeah. to do something slightly non-traditional yes uh yes a thousand percent and like i f- haven't done stand-up in years so like this is me speaking as like an improviser and sketch performer too who does some audience interaction <laughs> but, yeah. but like i think what i when i talk about my daddy theory of comedy trademark love it um yes. I'm like speaking towards like the the difference between the nights when I felt some real awesome electricity and the nights where I'm like, eh. But that only accounts for 50% of the variables. Like there's a whole set of variables that you literally can't control. Like you only can control how you show up. Like I, even if I am the most confident, blah, 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 awesome, there's going to be some crowds who aren't vibing it. I guess I'm right. just like they don't thinking even have about an iPad to play with. Right, exactly. And I wish they had. Um, Daddy's driving, but you can't play with iPad because the no iPad's iPad. out of battery. But yeah, I think it's like, okay, for for my half of the equation, those are the times when it's gone really, really well when I feel that just absolute ease and flow yeah. and confidence. Yes, totally. But you know, there's even when you have that, sometimes the people, and there are some people who like really, sorry, only respond to aggression. And it's like, great. Right. I guess go get some of that. And that's not fun. Yeah. And like you, you see people, right? So it's like, you see that on like, I mean, spending time on TikTok, it's wild how the, the, the portrayal of stand up that mm-hmm. comes through on TikTok. Um, it's, but 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 any any clip you see of stand up and you see someone dominate or own the crowd or whatever you see someone like put down in quotes mm-hmm. a heckler and it looks like they were successful and they wrangled that interaction and the heckler responded to the aggressive energy and let's say that the heckler actually did respond and there's not some additional part we're not seeing where Mm-hmm. The club staff had to intervene or something. Right. But even if you have that aggressive interaction and it goes exactly to plan, what we don't see are the quieter people, mm-hmm. the sensitive people, yeah. the people who might have even been literally, and I don't use the word triggered a lot, but might have been literally psychologically triggered by the aggressive interaction. Yeah. Who aren't being loud about their displeasure, but have shut down. Yeah, and it's like I'm more interested in connecting with those people, and al- and allowing them a space where they can be vocal about their experience without having to compete with the fucking athlete jockey douche energy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's so yeah. I, w- I also listen, this is like 
I listened to the podcast you sent me and Megan about Moses Storm today. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where yeah, yeah. He, Roy Wood Jr. interviews him. So I think I'm also thinking about him too right now, like with his, yeah. he was talking about how he did his final special. It was really like the first time he was doing it right, because right, right. he was like, I can't be that vulnerable in front of my typical crowd. And what he wanted right. was to book right. more theaters. And I, yeah, I, I'm all over the place on this one. I'm like, what, what is, wow. What does it mean that he's like, I want to book more theaters. He was talking about like having, your audience be what was it called your customers versus your audience maybe mm, like sure, people who sure. come there to buy chicken fingers and drink like they're not your audience they're your customers sure and i uh, yeah i'm like what yeah what are we saying about what different people deserve like i don't know like are we kind of judging comedy club people a little fast and easily like assuming that they can't handle that material and like i i'm sure a bunch of comics who like go out on the road are like no i'm not assuming i know <laughs> but yeah well no it's it's not just people it's also mm-hmm. the context in which things are presented mm-hmm. if if the business is half bar yeah then you're telling the audience something about that if there is a menu of food if there are servers coming around the tables yeah then you you're already talk about like subtle cues you're getting from the right. beginning of the show. You know, you know that this is a it's an experience catered to you. Yeah. It's a it's it's your date night. It's your mm-hmm. and I don't mean like I actually think that, you know, if you come to see one of my shows and it happens to be in not a venue like this, um I think it is still catered to you. It just yeah. in a different way. You know right. what I mean? It's right, catered right, right. to allowing us to get to a deeper emotional experience. And also I kind of like, like a good club. Yeah. It's great. I did. I, though the one I did the one in Cincinnati, it's called go bananas. And I did it, you know, when I was home for Thanksgiving and it was, it was lovely. It was really fun. It's a different challenge though. than like they the, all the have other shows. such insane names. So absurd. Truly like, you would never name a, your business this. The first but place I did stand up was at Magooby's Joke House in Baltimore. Yeah. Of Still course. standing. Shane Is Gillis I, performed it, there. Great. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, terrible people perform it. All the Magoobies is yeah. <laughs> but um uh I mean the thing that you said about Moses Storm saying talking about customers versus you know and not feeling comfortable being a certain way in front of his audiences i mean he had booked conan before that he'd been on yeah. conan yeah if he wanted to he could do what i did which is diy house right improv theater indie venue touring and done better than I did. You know, I had pre- like my best show on that tour I did was best in attendance was probably 40 people. Worst was probably four. And it's like, you know, so what the average mm-hmm. of like 10 to 15 kind of, you know, and it's like in the right size and, and layout of a venue, 10 to 15 people can be, can be cool. 
mm-hmm. if he were willing to do that, but he probably was like, no, my investment is in like doing a living is, is in making a living while also developing this show. Right. My investment has been like, I don't know. I don't feel I have the time to spare to not do the shows exactly as I want to do them. And then the irony is, well, it becomes really hard to do them because it's hard to find the places to do them. So there's, there's drawbacks to each side, but we're getting very abstract in terms of comedy ideas and theory. Um, And we're not going to resolve it. No, no, no. Uh, but and maybe it is. I did listen to that episode today. Not Chris Gethard, but Moses Storm. Chris Gethard. I listened and to. To be clear, to we're talking about we're talking about a, a podcast called Good One. Yeah, and and it's the episode with Moses Storm, Roy Wood Jr. Yeah, him. and the Moses Storm um, uh, special on HBO, Trash White, is 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 interesting. Yeah, and I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. I think you and Megan and I have talked about it. Offline, as they say. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about it, but uh, I liked it, and it's yeah, it's worth listening to. So, if other people have thoughts, please listen and uh, yeah, let us know what you thought of that or what your own fucking. Do you agree with the daddy theory? Do you agree (laughs) with my? What's my theory? I don't know the mommy theory of (laughs) comedy. Well, I think it's the corollary to the daddy theory, which is. Mom's you know, take care of you. Da- daddy can do everything he can do, but sometimes you're still driving everyone from soccer practice. Okay, you lost I'm going a little that. too far down the road, but <laughs> just that you know, like you can control yourself, but you can't. Like you still can't always control. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I I can do everything I can do and try to find the magic, but sometimes it's just not going to work because the people aren't down for the whatever. Right. I mean, I think it's, maybe I'm just hyping myself up, but I think the two theories go together. Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, yeah, you were talking about different things slightly Mm -hmm. and yeah, I don't think they entirely go together, but yeah, that's at this point. I just want to hear what you've got next on the list. (laughs) Um, I do, do, do oh yeah 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 I, I think you guys um talk a little bit about wow I really was upset that you guys don't like tomatoes um <laughs> why what did you <laughs> you like wrote a lot about it I said I am a proud tomato and olive lover fuck off. And then I said, but I do hate horror jump scares, so I'm back. Um, why? Why yeah. were what were? Do you have a retort for the textural problems? Gethard and I both. I, honestly, you're right. You're so right. Something happened to me at a young age where I was. Honestly, here's what it is. My family lived in Europe for many years because of my father's job in the military. We went to Italy. I experienced Italian tomatoes and I said, these are very good. And I know you guys touched on that. Everyone's like, gotta have a good tomato. You're like, where are they at? Well, guess what? I had them in Italy. I love tomatoes. They are awesome. And yes, bad tomatoes do let me down sometimes, but I still try. I lived in Italy for three months. Didn't have a good tomato. Oh my God. Then guess 
What? What? You are a pussy bitch. Okay. <laughs> get over the texture and get into the flavor. Okay. <laughs> I like a tomato sauce. I'm not saying I hate anything tomato flavored. I love. I want to eat a fucking tomato because of its goop. Because of its goop, you're afraid of the goop. Well, not me. I love the goop. I, for one, treasure it. Um, (laughs) But anyways, hmm. oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay, wow, okay. To, okay, here's a couple different areas that we should touch on. Yeah. Guru culture. Talking about guru culture. And I said, who has the worst gurus, stand-up or improv? Ugh, I mean, in terms of overall cultural impact, I think stand-up. Yeah. Wow. In terms of cause, – because what? Yeah. The, the, the bad gurus in improv are all like – Small-time Small time improv teachers who, you know, you're right at, at at best creep on people or at worst assault them. Yeah, you know? yeah. Or take, um, or take their take money, your money or manipulate yeah. or whatever. But stand ups, it's like fucking Joe Rogan. That's 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 a that's a whole cultural dog shit. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Forest gurus and tree gurus. Interesting. <laughs> um, I wrote. I was ripe for a guru, and I feel this. I def. I mean, I definitely think like if things had gone differently for me, I might still be in the clutches of a guru to this day. <sighs> you don't. You never. You feel like you were ripe for one, but you you never had one. I just when I think back, I'm like, uh, who could? I mean, really, who could have? I was so obviously and openly like fresh off the bus, ready to learn a craft and absolutely easily manipulated by just about any one. Let's go. And like, honestly, it's a miracle that people were like, eh, nah. <laughs> well, I will say if folks are listening and they know anyone like that, please Tell them about my work. Tell them about my workshops. Tell them about the Patreon. Yeah, I would love to just kind of, kind of talk to them about where they're at, where where their journey's at, how I can, yeah, sort of help them out. You know, yes. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think gurus I've had. It's funny that that comes up on this Gethard episode because I have been really jealous of people who Gethard is someone that I would kind of with a few. Has with a little hesitation call a mentor. Yeah, but 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 that's only something I've come to after a long time. And I was really jealous of people who were like, "Oh yes, my mentor says this and this and this." Aside from the fact that it's actually like pretty douchey, and no one I really yeah care that much about or respect is constantly thrown around the word mentor. But no, then it I kind of realized like. Oh, some people consider like, I don't know, fucking Kierkegaard their mentor. People you're reading to be your mentor. You oh, know? And so sure. it's like you can kind of – I, I realized that mentor was less about someone, except in maybe like fucking startup culture, less about someone going, hello, I would like to mentor you. Mm. And more about <laughs> the person who wants to learn something going, oh, I consider this person an influence on my thinking. And yeah. 
Gethard helped me get to Edinburgh. Gethard put me in touch with this and this and this. Gethard's given me advice on this. I guess that's basically a mentor, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. And, and I think mentor is the, like, you know, positive version of a guru. Yes. Maybe. But I'm trying to think if I've had gurus in my life. There were definitely improv teachers early on. An improv teacher early on told me that um, that acting is just emoting on stage. Mm. And I repeated that in an acting class. And I now realize how utterly false that is. Like if all you're doing is emoting on stage and you're not like focused on communicating, mm. the okay. you know, helping the audience – feel things if it's it's a very self-indulgent way of describing acting and i in my first acting class i was like i had this this teacher who told me acting is emoting on stage and that's why i want to act it's it's and i just look back on that and i'm like the teacher of that class must have just been like oh my god who told this kid that i mean it's not the worst thing i've ever heard about acting but i can see how it's flawed i mean famously acting is reacting that's what that's what (laughs) i always heard well acting is uh acting true is is behaving truthfully under imaginary circumstances i love that i love that that seems right to me but (laughs) i've never booked anything so (laughs) my agent's like we gotta get rid of that one um (laughs) i mean i'm like yeah acting it's yeah reacting and then i do an audition for chicago med and i'm like um doctor can i have two blue pill and it's like the hardest thing i've ever done (laughs) so (laughs) that's yeah those that those little ones are really hard There's so, I was in this, I mean, all I wanted to do in college was to get into one of the main stage plays. There were like four main stage plays a year. They were directed by professors. Like Mm. I could get into like the like black box plays, but I could never get in a main stage play. And then like, I got, oh my God, William and Mary. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I got like a small part in this main stage play. It was like this weird old English blah, 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 uh, sucked ass. Um, no, I think some people like it, but, um, I, all I had to do was be like, the king is coming, make, make way. That's all I had to do. And I couldn't do it. The director was like, girl, I need you to get this. together and i why why were you so bad i was like every time i would like walk on stage and be like ah the the king is coming make way like i was like could not (laughs) could not get like honestly like do it in a way that was like confident because it's so honestly corny as hell yeah yeah i get that i get that i have a i have a a two-line audition that I have to submit tomorrow for a for a, a new FX series. Um, and I and I and I my character is is they didn't say this, but they but it it's, yeah it's did they say did they say slobby? I want I want to look at the d- description of this. Let's let's practice because it's pretty good. Um, oh, okay. We can do. We can do it. It's okay. um. So the description of the character is man. 
Yeah, that's what they said. So male, far, awesome. Yeah, male, 30 to 45, open ethnicity, schlubby but erudite. I mean, <laughs> that's me, dude. I'm if listening. you're talking about if they if you if you're trying to find synonyms for fat but smart, you <laughs> found them, okay? Um this this man eating alone at the counter is happily surprised when Sydney brings him a special. And in parentheses, cola braised short ribs with risotto. Whoa. Do you the, get to eat this? On the house. No, I don't get to eat this. Okay, so the so the line is, so let's I'll I'll share I'll share my screen and 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 we can do the line, okay? Okay. I'm okay. so excited. I don't need to share sound. Okay. Can you see it? Yeah. Okay, so so we'll I'll 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 st- do the setup before Okay. before your line. So you're Sydney and I'm man, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Interior, the beef slash front of house, continuous. Carries it to the front. Scans the dining room. Sees a man eating alone at the counter. Approaches. Happily sets the plate down on his table. Hi there. Colabray's short ribs with risotto on the house. Whoa. Really? Yep. Had an extra. Hope you dig it. I'm Sydney if you need anything else. Well, thank you, Sydney. The king is coming. Make way. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm going to kill this. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. So I'm going to have a book. Yeah. I think I'm going to have my copy of Revolution and Evolution in the 20th Century. Yes. Go, Erudite. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. <laughs> Whoa, really? I love well, that. Well, thank you. Si- <laughs> well, thank you, Sydney. I'm going to do some different emphasis, emphases. I lo- that was very erudite. So if you see me on uh, the upcoming FX series, The Bear, yeah, um, I just gave away some pretty big fucking big deal. It's a it's a show about whether or not a random man gets colabray short ribs, and I just spoiled it for you. So. With risotto, that seems I'm not gonna lie, I'm suspicious of what Sydney's kind of cooking up here. It sounds like an Applebee's. If you're a cola braised, that sounds like like a like a like a Friday's sort of situation. Right. That I'm like, that's one thing, and risotto's another thing. Well, that's the schlub and the erudite. Erudition. Yeah. Also, I will say Sydney's second line was bonkers to me. There was like five different things going on there. A lot of a lot of sexual tension there. Yeah. I think you could become yeah. recurring featured. I think so if I say, well, thank you, Sydney. They're like, "Hey, get this erudite schlub back in get here." This little horny. This guy's got this guy's the daddy. <laughs> He's got the teddy theory of comedy happening. Okay, what's your next? Where are we? Where are we even in your notes on this fucking oh podcast God. episode? I mean, I will say that like a lot of these are like me just being like beautiful words, beautiful words. Um, Great. I, 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 um, two two last things. Um, Chris talking about no, you know what? Let me yeah, no, but yeah, this is good. Him talking about. Love that I just first named him like I know him. Chris Gethard. uh, Talking about shining a light on the shame of it all. Like making that phone call and um, Mm -hmm. letting his family in on what he was going through. Reminded me of Ariel's episode 
which I feel like I do bring up a lot, but her episode with letting her family help her with her um, I, terrible, I, ex. terrible ex. I was like, I don't yeah. remember if it was like toxic or full on abusive, but bad situation in her relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, And just like, yeah, again, like I'm always like, it's that thing of like, obviously everyone knows Brene Brown's got it out there, you know, speaking your shame helps your shame go away. You know, it shame dies in the light, all these things. But it's like, that's a lot easier said than done. Like, I think it's like, I, I know I said this for Ariel's episode too, but it's one thing to be like, oh, I'm really overwhelmed from being such an awesome person. Can someone help me? But it's like, I don't know. It's just way harder to be like, I have some really ugly things that I'm dealing with or really just truly things I wouldn't want my friends to know about me and I need your help. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's Who, so good and so hard every time. for help because they're overwhelmed? What does that mean? Overwhelmed because I'm such an awesome person. <laughs> I guess I'm like think thinking of like talking about is like, yeah. Oh, I'm Tina Fey. I'm overworked. You need to just reach out and, and ask your assistant to help you. You think yes. that's what like the that, version of that is? Or like just like version? influencer culture. Like, I, I don't know. I oh, feel okay. like there's like a lot of like influencers that are like, all moms need help sometimes. Like, don't be afraid to ask for help. And that is beautiful and wonderful. But it's like this thing of like, I am a hot mom. And sometimes I get overwhelmed. And I think like, when you're like a person who's like going through something like incredible, like just like that you don't want anyone to know, it's like doesn't resonate as deeply as like, I had to tell everyone that I was really 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 struggling (laughs) yeah it's like failure is not glamorous it's like even Mm -hmm. when people with failure culture are like when i you know i'm i've started and sold three multi-million dollar companies yes and i love failure i actually seek out failure and it's like well if it's real failure it fucking sucks every single time so yes. you can say this, you can put this in your short little like direct to camera video, but that doesn't make our actual experience of failure different. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's like the glamorization and the like, it's easy. I failed this morning. <laughs> right, 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 right. I try to fail three times before I brush my teeth. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, and then the last thing, uh, I mean, again, a, a probably a theme, a theme of this podcast is like the day that he wished he stopped and swam in the lake mm. um, instead of, I, I can't remember exactly what he said he would do, but something that he said he would do for a friend and he didn't stop and swim in the lake. Uh, help him, help him get to the improv class he had to teach or something. Wow. I thought it was definitely yeah. going to be film a self tape. Really interesting how I just inserted. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think, I mean, I always, I don't know. I think we've definitely talked about in this podcast before is like, how do you, how do you swim in the lake and, and, keep your commitments and your word to other people. How do you live every day? Like it's your last, but also know that if you live every day, like it's your last, you're kind of annoying. 
to be with? <laughs> like, how do you build your future and acknowledge that YOLO? <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's just such an interesting battle. Like, you obviously to be a person who's like can't even like be a little spontaneous is a huge drag, but being that person who's like only ever dropping commitments and swimming in the lake, that person also sucks. Like, yeah, no doubt. But I think, I think what he was saying is that this wasn't an everyday opportunity. Yes. Yeah. He, he, this was a rare thing and he didn't take the opportunity to do it. Yeah. And in terms of like, Living every, I mean, I certainly get the thing of like kind of the mindset of resenting the mindset of like every day is a gift, you know, but, but I think what it is, I don't know. It just, it makes me think of like sort of Eastern philosophical like maxims, you know, like the chop Mm -hmm. wood, carry water thing, like before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water, you know, Mm -hmm. or like, Mm -hmm. um, I I forget. I had a therapist who like gave me this, like tying your horse to the, to a post metaphor that I now have only bring up because it's funny that I can't remember anything else about it, but no, no, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Yeah. Yeah. You got to tie your horse to the post. (laughs) Say no more. I'm understanding. You know what I'm saying? And so, (laughs) but, but basically that like, yeah, you is I think the thing that I believe but rarely practice is that if you are truly mindful mm-hmm. that things that seem like responsibilities can provide as much joy at it it doesn't necessarily mean being more spontaneous. Yeah. But it does mean recognizing when there are rare opportunities and seizing on those rare opportunities. Yeah, I like that. I do. Like, it's like to like an objective, like camera, security camera filming you, you don't look maybe any different than you might have looked. But if you're being mindful, it feels completely right. different internally. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's not that Gethard was saying like, you know, I would take this route every week and I had committed to to giving my friend a ride to his class every week, but mm-hmm. some people would always go in the lake. He was like literally talking about one time when he had gone out of his way yeah. to offer the ride to his friend. Yeah. He probably could have gotten the ride from 15 other people. Yeah. 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 And I, I do feel like our society skews towards not swimming in the lake. A hundred percent. If anything. And I think this shows, unfortunately, once again, your commitment to improv classes that you're really just like, but how's that guy going to get to his improv? Class? I'm not, I am not going to lie. I'm pretty sure my thought was like, well, there's a bunch of students who paid money waiting. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we got to see their guru. Yeah, got to see their guru. Oh, my God. I think you just froze. I can't tell if you were no. just lost in thought. Okay. Wow. Fun for the listener. Me panicking. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no, I was just holding to see if you would 
if you would uh, close out the show naturally on your own. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. I'll, and let this be a reminder to all of us. Sw- swim in that lake. And don't get mad if your improv teacher doesn't show up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Don't pay to take an improv class. Um, Or do. Wow. Really paying tribute to Megan Strickland with this Mm -hmm. outro. This Mm -hmm. has been your after show. This is your after show. It hasn't been just your after show. It's been this is your after show, which is, of course, the podcast where we talk about this is your afterlife. It features Dave Mark. It features me, Claire. Sometimes it has Megan Strickland. It didn't today. And we love it. And the king is coming. Make way. Make way. <laughs>